On this episode of the Big O Podcast, I am joined by baseball aficionados, EA Sports video game fans, and two members of the Toronto Blue Jays International Scouting Department, Julio Ramirez and Tyler Baldwin. We talk about Clayton Kershaw finally winning a World Series, some notable 2020 international signings for the Blue Jays, the pressure put on young prospects in providing for themselves and their families, the recent additions to the Blue Jays 40-man roster, and we share our top five video game franchises and arguably the single greatest video game athlete that isn't technically an actual person. This is the Big O Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, for another episode of the Big O Podcast. Today, I am joined by two members of the Toronto Blue Jays International Scouting Department, Mr. Julio Ramirez and Tyler Baldwin. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Exceptional. Wonderful. How's everyone doing? Oh, we're great, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to... Glad to know we got some internet issues figured out on my end, too. Yeah, the last time we tried to connect for a podcast, uh, Tyler was in the heart of, uh, what was it, Donald Trump country in Florida, and the internet bandwidth was just unacceptable. Uh, Trump was trying to take over with all of these crazy <laughs> accusations of voting fraud and all sorts of, of business, but we got this we got this squared away, and uh, now we're back connecting and it's an interesting time because so much has changed since we last talked. Uh, number one, um, the new president-elect, whether he wants to admit it or not, Mr. Joe Biden. And Tampa Bay has actually inherited the Toronto Raptors. They will be known as the Tampa Bay Raptors. That's not that's not true at all. I just figured that might be kind of cool. Uh, what is it like, uh, Ty, there in, in, in Florida and in Tampa, uh, you know, with the, with the acquisition of the 2019 NBA champion Toronto Raptors. Well, it's it's interesting, and just to backtrack a little bit and play nonpartisan, uh, it was Biden rally, Trump rally, and I was also in the middle of like it had to have been tropical storm. Oh, tropical right. that's storm. right, that's right. <laughs> so not to not to disparage the internet of the homeowner that I was at at the time, <laughs> it was it was just quite the mix of uh, ingredients to get poor bandwidth. However. Moving forward now onto Toronto Raptors. It's funny because I actually grew up like a big Vince Carter guy and that transitioned into my like Raptors fanhood. And Julio is kind of my mentor in Raptors fanhood right now. So I really go to him for any sort of um, update or actualization and what's going on. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see because one, we obviously have state restrictions being completely limited due to co- or not limited, but um, taken down from the state level. However, owners are in, within their right to operate under whatever capacity they want. Now that said, Amelie arena is where the Tampa Bay lightning play and you can't get a seat there. Like I'm talking the, the third urinal from the bar across the street <laughs> is still occupied at the time of the game. So it's good. It's going to be fun to see just a new sort of flavor. And there's a lot of, you know, sport and sport love and, excitement just around that area in general so i think they would will do well and obviously it's a winning franchise so it'll it'll be fun to see now that's interesting because um not the only new acquisition to tampa bay uh, i read uh, a news report that actually said uh wwe is moving into tropicana field 
for the foreseeable future to, to have events uh, moving out of their Orlando complex, I guess. Uh, so again, you know, Florida, they put they put out the the notice like at the beginning of COVID, where it's like we'll have every organization under the sun come and play in Florida. Obviously, MLS had their uh, MLS tournament to kick off their season. The NBA had their their bubble, and they were trying to get everybody. And now, listen, they have the, the Toronto Raptors. They have the WWE. Um, you know, it's it, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, and you know, hopefully. I'm a Patriots guy, but I'm a Brady guy. Tampa Bay might be able to secure a very interesting, like three champions, uh, like a, like a city of champions, and, and establish this this level of winning that uh, is synonymous with with a major city. And it's interesting because like Tampa Bay, kind of under the radar when it comes to that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what what uh, what Tampa Bay does over the next you know, 365 and, you know, this time next year, maybe, you know, Brady's got a, a ring solidifying his goatness. And, uh, I mean, if he does it, if he wins the Super Bowls in Tampa Bay this year as well, be the first quarterback to ever go to the Super Bowl and win it in his own stadium. So, I mean, we're not here to talk about football, but I always want to get my Brady goatness in there. Cause I know Ty does not agree with me when it comes to who is the greatest football player, uh, of all time. Isn't that correct? Ty? I, I mean, of course, we've got our own deferring opinions, but it sounds like you need to get down here. I tell I tell Julio all the time he needs to come down, and I'm moving to a new spot here shortly. And don't get me wrong, it's not the biggest spot, but we can make it work with us three if you want to check out some Bucks games, Julian. No problem. I'm saying Tampa's the city that never sleeps. <laughs> I, you know, I haven't I haven't heard that one, but I uh, we'll, we'll see. My place is kind of quiet, so we might be actually being able to get some sleep and i understand with uh young daughters that might be hard to come by nowadays i was just about to say man listen julio and i being dads we could use some quiet nights because as i was saying before the pod you know two and a half kids you know the pregnant wife and 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 kids who decide that they don't want to sleep right now is throwing my sleep schedule for a loop and and i don't know about julio julio seems to be the more managed of the two fathers on this podcast right now yeah, I sleep when I can, catch up when I can, Na- a lot of naps. Naps, jo- not just for the kids, but also for the parents, man. Most underrated thing, if you can, nap, uh, do it. I can't, so I'm pretty much screwed. Um, but listen, let's let's get into it, because obviously, you know, we're into the 2020 offseason. Uh, MLB wrapped up their season last month. Clayton Kershaw finally exercised the demons of champion. Ended the LA championship drought when it comes to the World Series, you know, winning the first time since, you know, just days before I was born back in 1988. What are your thoughts on the wild COVID 19, you know, pandemic baseball season? Julio, you want to kick us off here on that one? It almost feels like it was so long ago. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> what happened? No, great, great series. Tampa, Tampa was fun to watch. They're showing you. A bunch of ways to win, and we talked about it, before, you know, before. Sadly, the, uh, the pod didn't come through, but <laughs> how, yeah, they kind of, kind of ended the way they they continued to do what they needed to do, and unfortunately right. for them, it didn't work out. But yeah, I mean, you could say it did. I don't know. 
It was yeah. fun when Clayton, Clayton looked good. Yeah. I think, Julio, you and I were both in the Dominican Republic when everything shut down, right? And yeah, we were at that, that partnership program event, but but it, it feels like so long ago. And I think one of the cool metaphors for the season is to see, you know, like I think I mentioned this book last time we talked, the yep. MVP machine, um, just to see how organizations have been able to keep their staffs, keep their players engaged and ultimately keep baseball at the forefront of everyone's mind. So one of the, uh, you know, there's a lot of catch 22s that have happened in, in this year, so to speak. But I think one of them is, is definitely that, you know, we're still very lucky to have the game and obviously the game means a lot to a lot of people. So that's one thing I'm very thankful for. No, a lot of fun moments. Like, it was just great to have baseball back. Like, when they said we're going to have the 60-game season, I was all for it. I was excited. I was like, damn. I, like, I don't even remember. I didn't remember you were reading those books. And I'm like, wow, that was this year. It's just so long ago, man. Thinking we we're going to go to spring training, that gets canceled, and then fly back here, and then haven't left since. Yeah, it's one of those interesting things where, like, like you said, it was last month that it ended, but it feels like an absolute – eternity ago um that being said obviously with you know a quick turnaround things are right back into sort of like the spring of things right because everyone's trying to get back to normalcy as best as they can and obviously baseball is a little bit different because their timelines sort of favor what's going on right now um with the ending of their season they did a pretty good job of obviously playing a condensed season but still ending roughly around the same time that they normally do. And so their off season plans and kickstart to 2021 isn't going to go under the same scrutiny as like an NBA who's had the, you know, shortest post uh, off season in major sports history uh, going into this year. And so, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. I love it. Um, I love when a guy like Trevor Bauer wins the Cy Young because he's just so unapologetic when it comes yeah. to his criticisms of Manfred with how he plays the game, the fact that he wants baseball to be fun because he understands who's watching baseball now or who the MLB would like to have watch baseball now because it's a game where you have a lot of old heads that love the traditions of the game. But in order for baseball to survive the next 10 to 15 years, there has to be a shift in viewership and in the way that the game is marketed. And there is no better marketing marketed player in baseball than Trevor Bauer. And he does it himself. He's got like a great team along with him. Um, if you are a fan of candid baseball talk, I would definitely say check out his YouTube page, uh, watch momentum on YouTube. He's got some of the greatest interviews with former players and current players. And he really gets into like the, the you know X's and O's of baseball in a very, very fun way. And I'm hoping uh, soon to be able to uh, – I'm actually going to have his agent, Rachel Luba, on on the show from Luba Sports uh, awesome. to talk talk a little bit about baseball, women in sports, and and sort of you know the, the unfortunate part of her being from UCLA. Um, I, was, I was trying not to, to get into it on this pod because, you know, obviously Tyler is – He's an Oregon Ducks guy, and uh, wow, you know, wow. it's it's just uh, – listen, hopefully they're going to play each other in the Pac-12 championship. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Fingers crossed. That, that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, as short as the season is, there's a lot of season left. 
Yeah, and one one hundred percent, and uh, you know, hopefully they both go six or seven and zero going into the championship game, and they can they can find themselves playing for the Pac twelve championship. But obviously, twenty twenty, um, a hell of a year. And so for the pod, you know, today, obviously, I want to try to talk a little bit about um, the 2019-2020 international signing period. It was a little bit different than most international signing periods uh, due to COVID. Um, you know, looking ahead to next year's signing period, which is just, you know, a few months away, January uh, 15th or January 12th, I believe, 15th of next year. And then Tyler on the pod that could not be aired due to unfortunate bandwidth talked about having some stories from the road and I'm hoping him and Julio will bless us with some great, you know, stories from growing up into the international, you know, scouting world. And then the last and not, not least, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, what to expect for the blue Jays as well as our top five greatest baseball video games of all time, which I then hope leads to another fun discussion. But you know, international scouting, not something, you know, new. Um, Blue Jays have had a well-documented history of success in the past when it comes to their international scouting with the likes of Carlos Delgado, uh, Tony Fernandez, Vladdy Jr., who's there now, Calvin Escobar, and Roberto Asuna, just to name a few. And obviously 2020, been a year unlike most other ones. Um, their international signing period started, I believe, in July, just ended October 15th. And so now with all the shutdowns and lockdowns sort of finishing and, re and baseball resuming in countries like the Dominican and Cuba, where a lot of the international scouting is going to be taking place, you know, the Blue Jays ended up signing uh, 30, sorry, the Blue Jays signed 47 prospects, uh, including number 27 of like the top 30, who was a shortstop from the DR, um, 34 players total uh, signed in the last just closing week's MLB wide, including 14 on the last day of the signing period. It's crazy. It's pandemonium. You know, what are some takeaways from the 2019, 2020 international signing period for, from you guys? You know, we call it, it's, it's known as the wild, wild west. Like when you talk <laughs> international, it's, it's the, Hey man, it's the wild, wild west up there. Uh, yeah, man. For, so last year, I think on July 2nd, the signing date, we had to make like, 42 contracts Jeez. and then obviously as as the uh period continued we, we were able to find a couple more but this was a huge huge signing class like ton of names ton of arms ton of really interesting prospects like all of them are skilled they all have something which is why why they're with us so um raquelvin de castro would have been the guy on the list that you're talking about so yes. really fun to watch i remember seeing him with our guy harry harry einbinder uh, great, great guy for us in the organization. So we saw Raquelbin super athletic, twitchy actions on the on the infield, and then a, just a guy who was able to put the ball in play. And you're just hoping with some strength as he gets older, it's going to develop into more power. But just a lot, there's a lot of tools. So he right. he was like the main dude that the famous guys they said. But international is just the, the wild wild west, man. You go <laughs> out to these events, and not even kidding, man. You'll see one guy maybe for the first time ever. And he kills it, and you find out he he closed a deal or he, he made a verbal agreement. Right. Later, it's, it's you got to move quick. Yeah, you got to you can't you can't you can't sleep in the, uh, <laughs> in the market. 
Yeah, literal, literal no sleep sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah. But I, I think one of the coolest things, or I guess when you when you boil it down, one of the most relatable things for me that I've learned from uh, Andrew Tennis, who oversees our department, is look for things that stand out. And when you're looking at these guys that we have signed and that we have, you know, targeted and just in general too, there's, there's a lot of things to like across the board with, with everyone. And it's, it's going to be fun to see how they grow up and how they use those things that have stood out to their advantage and build on, on other portions of their game too, to hopefully make the big league level. Yeah, I mean, some other notable signings just uh, did some quick, uh, some quick uh, research. You know, we got uh, Estevan Machado. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's Robert or Robert, Ro- uh, Robertis. Uh-huh. And then uh, Peniel Brito. I mean, obviously, these names, not household names yet, but neither was a Roberto Asuna. Neither mm-hmm. was, I mean, Vladdy Guerrero was probably the exception because from the womb, Vladdy was in the spotlight. Um, and so it's, it's a little bit different that way, but I mean, what can we, what can we sort of talk about the 2019 class of international prospects? What's, what are we hoping for? What are we seeing and what is the potential timeline for these guys to, to make a jump? Because we never thought Alejandro Kirk, and we talked about this on the other pod. We never thought that that human missile was going to be fast-tracked to the 2019 blue or the 2020 Blue Jays, but he was. He took the baseball world by storm and had ESPN and MLB Network really talking about this guy's swing, being able to hit almost pretty much everything, and he was hitting bullets, bullets to right field. Um, you know, what are what are what are some thoughts on on some of these guys that we signed, and you know, could we is there a chance we see any of these guys in the near future? Yeah, I think it all depends. Right? Like a guy like Kirk, such an, a mature approach, like very advanced for his age, especially when you had, when we had seen him long ago. So that's a guy like extremely knowledgeable with the plate, knew the strike zone, knew his approach, what worked for him, and that's why you see a guy like that really able to succeed. So you're thinking, you got to look at this list of like forty something names, and you're thinking, okay, like of course some are more advanced, some are raw, some are going to take more time. So uh, a lot of them you got to be patient with. Of course, they're only like 16 years old. So yeah. it's going to take a while. But I want to talk like Pena Brito is like a very interesting story. Like this is an example of the Wild Wild West. Like <laughs> you always had to be watching players. Uh, it's never it, like guys just come out of nowhere. So we're at an event and we got, we're there to see, you know, a couple big names. And Brito has been a guy that we've seen before, but not everyone had seen him. And then he comes in and he was just kind of like a filler we said, we need another bat to kind of like give these guys some breaks. And then he just killed it. <laughs> Hitting bombs everywhere. Dude, he was, he was fun to watch. So that's an example of just like keep your eyes open and continue to follow players because they're, they like develop so quickly. Like you'll see a kid at 13 and you're like, okay, looks interesting. Six months later, it's an animal, completely different dude. Might have grown a couple inches. Power has like blossomed, like it happens like that. So that's why scouts on the ground are super important and it's constant updates. Okay, go check this guy, send new video. It's it's really like that. It's super quick. You'll get emails at like 1 a.m. of hey, we just uploaded so and so, like check it out, like move it over. You know, it's it's a it's a market that doesn't sleep. It really doesn't. 
Yeah, I have. Sometimes I have no clue how those guys do it down there. They're incredible at their jobs, and it's just what they're able to put forward and and identify even in kids as young as Julio Sanchez, thirteen, is remarkable. Yeah, twelve-year-old this year, crazy. Like, like that's insane to me. We're talking about a thirteen-year-old who, you know, hasn't even matured yet, being on a list of names for MLB MLB teams to be like, let's watch out for this guy. Right. And it's like, I remember when I was 13, I mean, I was probably on a list when it came to like detention or like being like the principal's office, but I was definitely not on anyone's radar for anything other than being like a troublemaker. But I mean, it, but it's crazy because I know we've, we've talked about this and it's well known guys who are being scouted from the DR, from Cuba, from South American countries. I mean, this is their ticket out of those situations right this is the chance to be able to provide for their family and their family really are putting everything into one hope and that is one day our son is going to take us away or at least make it he can be successful and then hopefully you know either move us out there or be able to provide so that you know we're not in the situation that we are um what is is there is there like a a memory of of a single player or a time where you got to see and really feel that difference being made for oh, yeah. a player. Um, let's start with you, Julio, and then Ty, jump in there, and uh, I, I want to hear your story. Every July 2nd signing period, I've, I've been lucky. We've been lucky to go out to the Dominican, and then we'll go out to – in the past, I've been to the, the Venezuelan one as well. And they all come in with their families. Everyone's crying. It's like it's eye-opening because you really – you see it. You feel it. You see – you see what they're going through. And then you, obviously some of them you have more history with just based on the scouting process. Right. You get to know some of the guys, you get to hear their stories. Some guys who don't, don't eat regularly, like three meals, you know, like that three meals a day thing. Like some guys don't eat well. And then this is their ticket. They sign a contract and all they got to worry about is baseball. Now let's work. And then hopefully we can, we can make this a, a bigger thing for them and the family. Cause it's not just, they're really not there just for them. A lot right. of it is they're literally supporting their family. Like they become right. a parent essentially. So it's it's an interesting dynamic that we've seen and and it's unfortunate obviously, but it's just th- the way it is like down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, like and an additional point to that is you see people that come from the more poorer countries like Venezuela or you know, an example for me would be Cuba and I've developed a unique relationship with one of our players from Cuba who is just a a special human being in the way that one, he goes about his work and two, just who he is as a person. And to hear some of the things that he talks about, you know, him and I get on the phone, we we try to get on the phone just to chit chat about once a week, just to see how each other are doing. And I always ask him how his mom's doing. His mom's still back in Cuba. And to hear that, you know, not only are they struggling through COVID, but they're struggling just through the normal Cuban way of life, which is now poor access to food. Electricity is poor down there. So it really makes you have a general greater appreciation for how you grew up and, and the luxuries that you are accustomed to living in countries such as ourselves do. Now it's interesting you say that because like I'll take one quick sort of like sidetrack when it comes to Cuba uh, Yoel Romero, uh, UFC fighter, um, talked about being in the Olympic program. And you would think that when you have 
an Olympic athlete or a group of athletes who are going to represent your country, that they're going to be sort of well taken care of and they're going to live better than maybe some other just regular folk. And to hear that that's not actually the case, to hear that they're living in not the greatest conditions, that your food consumption will be based on how well you perform as an incentive is just it just goes to show you that, you know, being in countries like, you know, a Cuba or Dominican, that just because you may be a great player or athlete or successful does not necessarily mean that you come or get to experience amazing things in your country. It's really when you leave that you allow yourself to make it somewhere else and then be able to provide back for your country, uh, whether it's your family or your friends or, or your community, whomever it is. It's crazy because if you look at Cuba, if you look at the DR, if you look at uh, Venezuela, you know some of the best baseball players have come from those countries, mm-hmm. and there's a pipeline of these athletes, and yet – Again, we haven't seen things like uh, adequate facilities necessarily being made or accommodations to sort of um, accommodate these pipelines of athletes to try to enhance the way of life so that we can have more athletes being su- successful and families being you know, taken care of. But um, I don't know. I guess you guys see it a little bit more yeah. being there and dealing with the families and the friends and the situations for you to really get – uh, a sense of accomplishment when these athletes sign their contracts and, and, and change their families' lives forever. Right. So, and it's to, and to that point too, it's you read the stories of what these Cuban players have to go through to get themselves out. Like you look into Yasiel Puig was a highly publicized case yeah. of defection. Uh, guys like Brian Pena, um, even the Hernandez brothers, you know, Levon and El Duque, trying just trying to get out and a lot of times they have to leave their families behind and aren't able to communicate with them and for for years it's 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 just like that extra sense of bonding once you get to know these players more than just players you get to know them as individuals right and, and how they interact with you and how they interact with the game and and how their culture has molded them to behave on a personal level. And that's, that's part that sticks out to me is that, you know, as much as we talk about, you know, identifying the next crop of world series contending players, it's, we're, we're all, we're all people at the end of the day too. So it's, it's, it, that's what relates it back to another personal aspect of this game, which, you know, we, whatever your stances aside, on how the game is evolving nowadays, there's still a human aspect to it. And it, and it's more so than just on the field. It's definitely off the field as well. I mean, baseball probably does this better than any other organization and correct me if I'm wrong. um, But what they do when it comes to their recognition using the Roberto Clemente award is unlike anything in any other major sports leagues, right? If you, if you think about what the, uh, the NFL does or NHL or NBA, they don't really have an award that really shows the like humanitarian uh, humanitarianism that comes with, you know, the Roberto Clemente award with the fact that, you know, you're doing so much for the community um, when it comes to baseball and and, and helping uh, communities because of your position. Is there an organization or is there, sorry, let me correct that. Is there a better award for someone outside of like an, a league MVP 
than being nominated and winning the Roberto Clemente award? <laughs> that's a, that's a tough question. <laughs> I mean, so, so the NFL has the Walter Payton man of the year award, which I'm now remembering, but again, I think the Roberto Clemente when it comes to like just the community driven aspect of it is just is above and beyond, especially when, again, when we look at how many non North American players we have in a very North American game. I, you know, I, I don't know if there's a higher personal award in the game. And if there is there, I'm sure there's things that each organization does to highlight personal achievements of players or, you know, off the field achievements for that matter. But I'm, yeah, I, I wouldn't know if there's like a higher than a Roberto Clemente award, I guess. I, so I'd say that's, yeah, that's probably the highest honor one could get from a personal standpoint. Now, with such a tight turnaround, obviously, with finishing, just finishing uh, on October 15th, the 2019-2020 signing period, getting into, you know, the January 15th is just right around the corner. And with all of these COVID restrictions when it comes to getting back up and getting out to some of these countries and baseball actually being played, what is it like being part of the international scouting department for the Blue Jays right now? What are you guys sort of doing how is the scouting going and how many, you know, on average, how many contracts do you anticipate, you know, having to be ready for January 15th of next year? Yes. Yeah, so obviously been a lot of zoom calls, <laughs> but it's been great, man. We've been, we've been staying busy. We've been, we've been working on a, a bunch of other things, staying in contact with the scouts, making sure everyone's good. We've, we've been kind of just going over older players, just saying, Hey, what did we see before? What can we, what can we do better? It's kind of, I guess, reviewing years past, but at the same time going over lists now and then kind of making a plan for when it would pick up and which it has. So scouting's obviously opened up and MLB as well as us as the Blue Jays, we put our own protocols in to make sure everyone's out there and safe. So it, it almost feels kind of like somewhat back to normal. We're getting a bunch of videos in, scouting reports are coming back in, guys are out staying in contact, talking, finally talking about players like, Hey man, just saw so-and-so look good. You know? So it's, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice feeling of uh, being in 2019, you know? Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, I mean, it's no secret. And I've been, again, doing a little bit of research, you know, the blue Jays tied to two players as of right now that are likely to sign. And we say likely, obviously things can change. Can't come to an agreement ahead of time. But we have the likes of, uh, just want to make sure I get his name right, Manuel Beltre, uh, one of the names floating around there, as well as uh, um, Jimenez. And I can't remember his first name. Martin Jimenez right now uh, from Venezuela. You know, what are what are some of the things as, as baseball scouts that we're looking for when it comes to offering a contract? Obviously, we know that we're looking for certain tools along the way. But what is like that last thing that you aim to see before you're like, listen, this is a guy that we need to get a contract to because he is, we want him to be with us and not, you know, some other organization. Do you want to start this one? So I think it's, there's no one size fits all. There's no like cookie cutter aspect to it. You know, just because a guy's got insane raw power doesn't mean he's going to be able to make consistent contact at the highest level. Right. And I, and 
one of the things that I've learned a lot of is trying to figure out what they can be down the road and using that, all right, there's no cookie cutter method. How do we make it kind of boiled down into what they can be? So there's no like one last thing. And I know that was what the question is, but it's, but it's what they do so well that that sets them apart and that's their separator. And that's, what's going to carry them to the highest level. So, you know, again, just cause a guy can hit the ball 3000 miles. <laughs> if he can't make contact, does that really matter? Or conversely, you know, if a guy can throw the ball off the mound, 92 miles an hour as a 16 year old, can he throw strikes? Right. Right. So it's, it's, you got to at the end of the day, you got to be able to play and sure through repetition and through practice, you can learn how to play, but what at the root is going to separate them from somebody else and be able to carry them to the top level. Yeah. I would say you want, you also want a guy that wants to play. He's not just there because he's yeah. good. Oh, yeah. That's a guy that you know is going to get better. The guys who sign might be, okay, I did what I wanted to do and I'm out. And I, I'd say that consistency, like a guy that's consistently out there working, consistently hitting the ball, consistently making plays, like that's a big one for me. And then just an athlete, just a guy who moves well. And baseball is different, right? Like a guy like Kirk, you'd probably see him and you'd be like, oh, he doesn't look like an athlete, but he is a baseball, he's an athlete. Like the way he moves behind the plate, it's pretty impressive. You, you wouldn't think a guy like that, when you see him visually, you don't, you don't think he moves well, but he, he's surprising, man. He, he moves really well. Yeah, athleticism and flexibility for sure. Now, Ty, you mentioned this um, when you like sidestepped the question because there was no real answer to my question, as you so eloquently <laughs> sort of put it. And, and that is like, you know, signing prospects, it's, it's, it's really like a numbers game because it, there is no certainty. And uh, I mean, I think of a guy. And the only reason I sort of pay attention to prospects is I'm in a very highly competitive fantasy baseball league, which I finally took the title of. And, you know, I have a guy. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I have uh, I have a guy like Mackenzie Gore, for instance, who right now is showing all of the right things, but is still very much a prospect who knows what's going to end up happening with him. I also have a guy on my team uh, like Force Whitley, who, again, has all of these praises and all of a sudden injury after setback after setback after short season is starting to sort of work against him when other guys like a, a Christian Javier is getting on getting an opportunity to play and making the most of it sometimes it's not just about skill but it's about timing and opportunity because you don't get your shot at that time and you take a step or two back sometimes you know when we're signing for instance 47 international prospects that's just international that's not even talking about a regular year of drafting and guys who are currently even in your system right so we're thinking i don't know we'll give a rough number how many how many rounds are there in the uh, baseball draft on on a regular year i think it's down to 40 now okay so so let's say 40 plus 47 signings you know that's 87 not to mention guys who we already have in the system you know, if we're if we have four guys who break through at any point in the next, you know, three to five years, that'd be pretty successful. But that means that there's like, you know, 100, 200 plus guys who are not going to make that step. And so the prospect game is really like what Oklahoma City Thunders uh, 
Christie is trying to do right now. He's got like 18 first round picks in the next like, you know, some odd years. And he's hoping it leads to like one superstar, which is like insane. But, you know, when you have guys like Gabby Moreno, you have guys like Otto Lopez, you got guys like uh, Josh Palacios, who, by the way, just all got added to the 40 man roster to avoid being eligible for that rule five draft coming up in December. I mean, it's it's hard because you have to sort of look at who do we think can take the next steps with no guarantees because for the first time in a long time, the Blue Jays are pretty deep prospect-wise at the catcher position. What is it about? And, and Julio, you've talked about him before. Uh, a, a Gabby Moreno who's just, you know, different. And what can we sort of expect if he were to make it to the big leagues? What can we sort of expect from a guy like that for the Toronto Blue Jays? Yeah. Before we get to Gabby, I think the phrase was, it's a good problem. <laughs> yes. Good problem to have. Uh, Gabby Moreno, he's a uh, man. I got to see him. I was fortunate enough to see him in Tricky League. So when he first got on board with the Jays, it's like the development program that we have. Um, so what I noticed back then, because I could speak to that, was very, very like high contact percentage type guy, tons of contact, tremendous athlete. Like he's he was a shortstop prior to coming in with us. We switched him to catching, and the, the the transition was instant. Like it was so easy for him. Showed the arm, showed the like good hands, leader on the field, like good teammate. So his thing was. I said, I didn't know how much power he was going to get to. That was my thing. I was like, can he hit for power? Can he hit for power? Because the contact's there. And then he's so good. He's so good at making contact that he would start giving away at bats because he didn't. It was more of this like approach that I would see. He's like, he doesn't want to strike out. He doesn't really want to walk, it looks like. So he's just kind of swinging at a bunch of stuff. And then it's cool because such a great development that we have. So he's getting older, starting to get more, more aware of his abilities. Starts shrinking in his zone, knows I got to lay off these pitches. I'm going to get more success if I'm a little bit more patient. Now you start seeing me hitting more home runs. Now you start seeing him hitting, hitting the ball everywhere for power. So it's been really cool to see his development. Um, and then, yeah, he's just a, he's a guy. He's a guy that wants to play. He wants to be good, and he's a good teammate. So when eventually he makes it, um, I think you're going to just see a guy who can hit, just hit. And solid defender as well. So you can probably do a bit of everything. I think he's he's such a good athlete that you could probably put him on the infield still, you know, if you wanted to. Like he he's pretty versatile. He's a fun player. And Tyler, you have you have some history with him too. Yeah, in the GCL in 2018, it was just obvious, you know, leaps and bounds of where he was at compared to you know catchers from around the league. In, in that league and I understand it's rookie ball but it that it's it's just fun to watch special special player and you kind of know when you're watching like all right this this is what it looks like at the grassroots level this is what it looks like the swing like everything it, it was he was just different and, and it's interesting because like catcher is the position where people take the most liberties you want a guy who's solid behind the plate and if you're gonna hit I mean, that's fantastic. If you look around the league, when Gary Sanchez sort of broke in with the Yankees, it was like, oh, my goodness, we could bat him fifth in our lineup. And if we have no holes in our lineup, man, we are a devastating team. And then all of a sudden, 
when the catching does become a liability and the injuries begin to pack up, then you're like, you know what? Let's go get like an Eric Kratz because we know he's going to be solid behind the plate. He's going to call a good game. It's like the position that they don't want to give away. But when you have that position and you're typically your nine spot and you can bat him in the six spot or you can count him as not like an automatic out or a, a, a turn your lineup over kind of guy. I mean, that's a game changer. It's yeah. a game changer, and that's the type of thing that you see from, I'll use the example, like a Will Smith for the L.A. Dodgers. I mean, was not the number one catcher in that organization two years ago. Due to injury, due to opportunity, mm-hmm. he sort of leapfrogs ahead of like an Austin Barnes and a Kyber Ruiz, gets an opportunity, and makes the most of it. And now it's, you know, how do you get rid of a guy like that? The Jays were hoping that Danny Jansen was going to be that guy, obviously, um, you know, he was a great prospect, great hitting guy. He's taking some strides in order to sort of get that back. But it definitely, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, when you get a catcher on in your organization that can fill in that spot, that can really sort of set the tone for protecting the guys ahead of him and sort of behind him in the lineup, you pencil yourself into a World Series team already because now you have an advantage over, you know, 27 other teams in the major leagues yeah i mean if like at the end of the day and julio you'll say the same thing i I hope but if you can hit you're gonna play regardless you know regardless if you're the worst athlete regardless if you're the worst arm your glove is terrible your hands are stone you're gonna play if you can hit the ball and so if they've got an extra tool like these catchers like you know they got a glove and they're a wall behind the plate, nothing gets by him, whether it's a breaking ball in the dirt or, you know, solid receiving hand or catch and throw some catch and throw skills to strong arm to get guys going to second base or even a third. It's that's, that's remarkable. So to have someone like that who can do both sides at a premium position, then yeah, that's what you're looking for. And it's interesting because before the podcast, I was trying to see if I could hang a Jersey up. Of, uh, of a Toronto baseball catcher, former Toronto baseball catcher, um, who, again, I don't think could have started his career as a Blue Jay, like, any better. Um, pretty sure, like, first at-bat home run. Pretty sure he had, like, just, like... He had the walk-off. Yeah, he, he, yeah, exactly. It, it was, like, he had, like, the greatest meteoric rise to a career as you could have, and then all of a sudden got run out of town. He ends up playing for a couple other teams, becomes an analyst. Uh, Mr. JP Aaron Sebia. Uh, that's my guy. But again, that just shows you, right? It's if you can hit, you can play. However, if in that position, you can't throw anyone out. And I think he's got one of like the worst, you know, throwing guys out at second base percentages as you possibly could. It just showed that when one thing doesn't go so well it starts to seep in and affect the rest of your game because now you're solely thinking about it and then you know it's we, we talked about it the depth of baseball is like is unlike any other sport if you can't do the job there's 30 other guys in your organization that play your position that are just chomping at the bit for an opportunity um i know well, i know you guys that like miguel cabrera he's been able to hit for 400 years seemingly <laughs> and you know he's no longer playing shortstop i think he signed as a shortstop Julio, you might have to correct me on that one but i know he came up and was playing outfield for the marlins at some point and, 
and then you know as he grows and gets older and fills out you move to third or move to first and he's still being able to hit so put the bat to the ball they'll find a spot for you yeah listen uh i'm glad you brought that up because it's something that skipped my mind but i definitely want to talk about real quick uh florida marlins now miami marlins uh one of the greatest developing organizations at least you know a few years ago they would develop they'd win the world series then they would ship off of all of their players uh and then just rebuild the system very similar to like a tampa bay is sort of doing now where they develop all these great guys and they have to start shipping out like a, a Matthew Liberatore to, to St. Louis. Um, but shout out Miami Marlins, you know, Kim, uh, Kim NG. Is that, is that, is that her last name? Kim um, and, Kim yeah. And so uh, first female GM uh, in, I believe major sports. Uh, absolutely incredible. Um, hearing about, you know, her being, uh, with uh, Cashman back with the Yankees, and you know he called her uh, invaluable. Like they just could not get, they would not get rid of her for any reason. Um, played such a tremendous part in uh, in the development of that team and, and in baseball. Incredible opportunity now with the Miami Marlins, walking into like a fairly good situation with that prospect pool and the organization. Obviously, you know they they made the COVID playoffs as we'll call it, um, had an opportunity, I, I believe won their first series and actually uh, ended up losing to, I think it was Atlanta. Um, and so, you know, what does that mean? And I'm going to, I'm going to direct this to like a, to Julio and only in the sense of, and Tyler obviously chime in uh, too, but like, what does it mean for you as a girl dad? Seeing yeah, see, as a, as a girl dad, it was like a, I, I love seeing that man. And then it was one of those, like Kimming's been a baseball lifer. Like she, Honestly, should have had a role a long time ago. And I also think it's not being talked about enough. This yeah. is huge. Like, it almost felt like it happened. Talked about it for a couple of hours. Done. Yeah. Like, this is an absolutely huge moment for baseball. It should be celebrated. Um, and, like, I don't know. Hopefully this gets more women into the game, more involved. Like, you almost got to step back and think, okay, so this woman, Kimmy, who's done so much for the game, it took her this long to get this spot. So we like, as baseball, as a baseball organization, as a baseball person, like, let's check ourselves. Like, what are we doing here? Like, let's, how do we get better? Essentially, yeah, you know? But, yeah, as a, as a girl dad, though, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Like, kind of, you kind of hope it's kind of, it's, it's kind of level the playing field a little bit, opening more doors. Yeah. And I think when you have, like, that rich history, and I, I mean, obviously, I, I mentioned Rachel Luba uh, as an example earlier. You know, Rachel Luba, uh, prominent, and I'll call her prominent now because she represents the 2020 uh, Cy Young, National League Cy Young winner in Trevor Bauer, um, you know, makes no excuses. Like, she is out there. She's on social media. She is, you know, very vocal. She's got her own uh, podcast, the Corked Up podcast, uh, where she talks about things like breaking down arbitration. Uh, what it's like in negotiations, free agency, all of that kind of stuff. And the fact that she is breaking barriers and the fact that she is a role model, someone that I can look up to as a father of two young girls and say, hey, you know, I am glad that we have someone paving the way that shows you that hard work, dedication, just because you are a female does not you can 
doesn't mean that you have to be on the sidelines or do, you know, X, Y, and Z jobs that you can do any job. If you possess the skills to do it, the perseverance, because it does take perseverance. I'm sure it is not easy for uh, a woman trying to break in to a, you know, a boys club like major league baseball. And they're unapologetically here. They're going to continue to, you know, destroy the glass ceiling that is above them. And I wish Kim Ng nothing but success. I hope to God it is not just like a PR stunt, that it really is on the merits of, of her passion and knowledge of the game. Because I would love to see, you know, more bench coaches, uh, a manager, break into the major league baseball like we're seeing like a becky hammond for the san antonio spurs um really get opportunities to showcase that the best candidate for a job deserves to get that job right and i think for so long it wasn't necessarily like that when you have a guy like a theo epstein no no disrespect to my man who broke the curse but i mean fairly young executive to get an opportunity to run an organization like the Boston Red Sox, whereas you have someone who's been busting their hump like a Kim Ng for decades now finally getting an opportunity because of a very progressive thinking Derek Jeter. Yeah, like, absolutely. I would love to hear uh, like a woman's perspective on it, just to hear what their process and thought process was prior to this. Like, like you said, hey, perseverance, you might be the best candidate, but you're not, you're not getting through. So how's that? How's that make you feel mentally like drained, obviously, but to hear what they're thinking now, because we can say what we want to say, but we don't go, we're not going through their experience. We have our own experiences and we can speak on that, but it'd be, it'd be great to hear, you know, from a woman's point of view, just how impactful this Kimming's um, role is, right? Yeah, Ty, jump in here. What are, what are your thoughts on, on what Miami is doing? Um, and what do you, what do you say when you see a resume stacked up like hers to only now getting an opportunity to, to jump into a high executive role in major league baseball? Well, one of the individuals that Julio and I went to scout school with was a female and she's probably the most knowledgeable individual of just baseball in general that I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And just to echo everything that Julio saying, like, yeah, it, it is the best person for the job that should get the job. And it's exciting just to see somebody that is busted their butts and, you know, quote unquote, paid dues, so to speak, get the opportunity that has been presented to her. So it's very exciting. And, you know, as baseball is continually progressively thinking, it's it's exciting to see where they can go from here. Now, I'm going to throw it out to you, non-baseball related, I mean kind of baseball related. If you had to say that there was going to be a major sports league that has the first female commissioner, what league do you think that would be? I got this. It's going to be the NBA. It's going to be Satu Sabali, who was a duck, uh, lady duck a few years ago, and she was the uh, the Dallas, and I, I – I apologize. I'm forgetting their franchise team name, but uh, the first round pick third overall pick last WNBA draft. And she's going to be the first NBA commissioner that is female. Interesting. Julio, what about you? What do you I got to go NBA as well? 
Like, they're so ahead with some stuff, man. It's impressive. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a clean sweep. I think the way the NBA is going, uh, it's definitely that way. But that being said, that's also been a product of what Adam Silver has done, right? I mean, when you look at some of the previous uh, commissioners in, in any sports league, but I mean, even like a David Stern who ends up, you know, leaving right around the time the Donald Sterling saga breaks out with the LA Clippers. I mean, Stern wasn't exactly, you know, rest in peace, wasn't exactly, you know, the golden boy when it came to, to commissioners the way Adam Silver definitely has. Now that part of that is a product of the times. He has embraced the things that have sort of gone on and maybe other commissioners have not had the need to do so, but we've seen a Roger Goodell fumble the football a little bit when it comes to some of the, you know, social action uh, that has been, that he's been called upon to sort of tackle and now sort of taking some steps back and, you know, embracing things probably the way he should have initially. Um, But again, I mean, if we don't have Adam Silver, right. And we have David Stern, do you still feel that it's going to be the NBA or would that change your mind just a little bit? Yeah, I, like you said, I think Adam Silver is like the goat. <laughs> Honestly, I think this guy's like pushed this, pushed that sport forward. I don't even like tremendously. Like everything, he, everything he says, like he's, it's not like it doesn't. How do I say this? It just makes sense. It's not like he's trying to avoid a problem. Like he says what he needs to say. I don't know. I think he doesn't hide behind anything. He's, he's, yeah, that's fair. That's and fair. then you have owners like Mark Cuban, who's very outspoken as progressive minded on on Twitter too. you know, advocating for abolishing duopolies in American politics, for example. Right. So I, I just, you know, where the, the NBA is as com- compared to, you know, other like organizations, sports organizations is remarkable and somewhat of a model. Others yeah. I just think. Well, if, I, they shut down the NBA, then the U.S. starts kind of, okay, we'll follow suit. Probably not right, but they were the first, you know, big organized body to do something about it. They come up with their bubble idea, flawless, tremendous job. So, yeah. Now, now again, I mean, I, I think we have to look at the Rudy Gobert situation a little bit because they were, again, it's, it's Adam Silver's handling of situations that puts him in the spotlight, right? He has a player that's tested positive. He needs to make a decision. And so far on the decisions that he's had to have made, he's coming out on the right end of it, right? Donald Sterling, he took on an owner, which most commissioners won't do as we've seen from, you know, Gary Bettman and we've seen from Roger Goodell doesn't typically like to go after the owners who he sort of represents as the commissioner. Adam Silver was like, listen, this is the right thing to do. And therefore I'm going to do it. And therefore number one, his stock had risen. Now Rudy Gobert tests positive. He says, okay, we're going to cancel the season. His stock rises again. And then you have the other organizations that, don't have positive tests just yet, take a step back and say, okay, maybe maybe let's push the brakes just a little bit. And the NBA, I mean, has four minority owners in in the league, which I believe uh, might be tied for, for the most, 
Um, I can only think of a handful that would be for any other more organizations, but they're not a lot of minority owners when it comes to, you know, North American major sports. Um, so NBA, give you credit. Rob Manfred, got some things to work on, my friend. Got some things to work on. Um, but before, I don't want to get you in trouble. That's the commissioner of the of the organization for which you 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 work for. Let's get a little... Let's get a little light. Let's get, let's have a little fun with this next question. Now, Ty, you better come uh, with the knowledge here because you're the one who brought this up to me, and that is, can we? And, and you said, can we talk about baseball games? And we talked about video games. So I came up with a top five list. Um, not a lot to choose from, and I didn't pick like years. I picked more of uh, franchises. Um, little controversial. I'm not gonna lie. I have reasonings for, for almost all of them. Um, but I'm going to start off at number five, you know, David Letterman style. Um, MLB Slugfest. <laughs> okay. And so I have MLB Slugfest making making the list, not because it was like a great baseball game, but you could slide tackle the catcher. As you were coming home for a play at the plate, it was a button function that you could choose to slide tackle. And and it's not like a slide tackle like you're sliding into a catcher. It's more of like a drop kick action. Yeah. And therefore, number five on my list, MLB Slugfest. Yeah, I didn't um, like that game. It, was too, it wasn't realistic enough for me. What do you mean? Do you slide tackling a catcher? Is it realistic for you? Well, that's I was a catcher growing up, so I've obviously got a little affinity and affection towards yeah the uh the collisions that happen at home plate so i just i you know i didn't i didn't play that game all too much growing up but i i'm very familiar with that one for Hold sure on, are, we, are we all going through number five or are you going yeah yeah get- go yeah if you if you've got a list number five julio what do you got all right i got this is more just like me i was like okay what was some stuff that i had good memories with okay so tri- triple play baseball was one that i used to play after practice with a good buddy of mine okay Two of us. So triple play baseball. Like, All right, that's got to be in my top five. Okay. Yeah. So I made my list based on, I guess, like, I don't know, like use and which ones I used most. So my okay. number five was the tap baseball series. Oh, listen, yeah. I, I, I am, I am down for that game. We created yeah. like a league with my softball team, my um, men's slow pitch league. In like 2018, that was the shit. I I am on board. I like that one. Yeah, I used to, I used to play a lot of tap baseball when I was with the Red Sox in 2016 in the Dominican because we didn't have a video game there. We didn't have you know Wi-Fi was kind of so that was just like, like in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. So that was that was the okay. I'm done with my work for today. I'm sitting here doing nothing let's play some tap baseball i like it man i like it. all right hit me with number four ty we'll do snake style <laughs> number four is the show series oh, and boy, I, so low that's too that's too low I, it's it, well is there's reasons to it but the show series i think obviously what they're doing right now with diamond dynasty and the online leagues with diamond dynasty is remarkable so that's that's but i've i had to strategically place it there okay those are the top three once we get to them all right julio what do you got number four for me ken griffey baseball baby 
Oh, okay, okay. We, Those we are like my defer on this one a little bit. Of like video games and baseball, Ken Griffey, Ken yeah, Bomb. Yeah. I had uh, I had Wii Sports at number four. We because again, obviously, when we're sticking with the theme of like what's realistic, which is maybe kind of like what I based my list on realism meets like how much fun I, I defy you to have more fun playing like home run derby style baseball with something other than Wii sports, because there is nothing better than, you know, hitting that like sneaky fastball on your buddy who doesn't know how to throw the fastball or like that crazy screwball. And you just have them whiffing, just like making an ugly ass swing. So Wii sports number four for me, um, number three, I had King Griffey Jr. Again, realism, any game that has a cheat code you could punch in about like any contact being a home run was like, I think it was the angels in the outfield code name. I can't remember what it was. Uh, but yeah, King Griffey Jr. Baseball actually have it in the other room. Um, that and King Griffey Slugfest. So, I mean, those, the King Griffey series coming in number three for me. Yeah. yeah. My number three, I'm going to MLB the show. Because it's absolute fire. But one and two are just <laughs> classics. So Okay, I, I listen, I'm excited just, because uh our list are just not the same. It's not it's not a it's not a shot at MLB the show. It's just damn, one and two are just absolute classics. All right. Ty, break I, my heart here. Let's go. I did I did pick Ken Griffey Jr.'s number. All one. right, there we go. Let's go. <laughs> and I'm I'm having an odd feeling that we're about to reach the same consensus number one overall pick here. But <laughs> all right, give us your number two. All right, number two, backyard baseball. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. You can't, one. can't really get better than Pete Wheeler and Pablo Sanchez. <laughs> all right, all right. Julio, what do you got at number two? Backyard baseball. Oh man, Sanchez. I'm, I'm breaking the trend here. Um, at number two, I had the show. I let I had the show at number two because, for me, in all the baseball games that I played, mechanically, it is the most realistic baseball game to date. It's it's been that sort of way. They've sort of the create a career. Um, for me, rivals that of like an EA Sports Madden. Um, because it was just, it was just so different and it allowed you to, to approach things in such a different way. For me, the multi aspects part of the game outside of just playing a, a season or a postseason or a dynasty, I think it really lent, um, to a great baseball experience. Um, and then I have a feeling Ty, you're right. You know, <laughs> consensus number one has got to be. MVP baseball 2005, right? Like down the horns, man, man, Ram. I mean, we were talking. My my biggest part for MVP outside of the soundtrack, which I still use it on my Spotify to work out to. (laughs) Actually, not my Spotify. I'm using somebody else's Spotify. But oh boy, the the reason being was in the franchise mode or the dynasty mode or whatever they called it was they had the minor league teams. Right. And I obviously I grew up around minor league baseball. So I always, I always picked the Braves and I was always like, Oh dad, I can, I can use your team. Look, but then I would turn fair trades off. So I had Ichiro leading off in my double a team. And then they had the, the legendary players, you know, I had, I can't even remember at this point, but I just would remember using those and then looking at their stats as I'm simming seasons or playing seasons and, 
and guys like Stan Musial or, um, or you know, like Chipper Jones's triple A third baseman and, right. and, and got hitting 800. <laughs> so that was, that was my favorite part of those series outside of the soundtrack, of course. Julio, why do you love uh, MVP baseball so much? Oh, man, it's, it's nostalgic. Like, <laughs> bombs with Manny, like you were saying. It's just, it was like, I don't know, I think the time it was just such an advancement as, as opposed to what you had been playing before. Right. And there was just so many good memories playing that game. Right, yeah. And the yeah. memories definitely play, play a part. And the legend, John Dunn. For me, there's something about Man Ramp staring down the barrel on the cover of the yeah, game, yeah. where it's just like it was at that time. Like, I dare you to pitch to me, because this is going like 480 over left center, and I'm just throwing my hands up because there's nothing that you can do about it. And then we had, you know, the great soundtrack. We were talking about uh, artists such as, you know, Hot Hot Heat. Chronic um, what, what was it? Stere- stereo heads? Who had walkie talkie? Yeah, a stereogram. Stereogram. I, re- I remember that was probably the first video game uh, where I was like, I'm going to download the songs from the soundtrack and listen to it when I'm not playing on, the game. Because on your account, right? Yeah. It was just like, I was like, mm-hmm. all right, let me just, let me hit like, r3 so advances the next song on my playstation so i can like see what the next song is and i'm like all right i got all like 50 in tracks i'm gonna get 13 of those onto like my portable 2005 i probably didn't have an ipod i don't think i had some like usb weird thing i'd plug my headphones into i only got like eight songs on there and i just rotate that that playlist um i i think again i think it until until you get to like the NBA 2K games where like the soundtracks now are just, they're just like complete fire, but they're designed to be, I don't think MLB 2005 set out to be like, let's get like the greatest soundtrack. Cause it's such a mix of genres that it just, it just works. Right. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it just works. And then, you know, we'd be remiss to not talk about one of the greatest aspects of MVP baseball 2005 and EA sports has had a history of doing this. And I want to pull up my notes. So I get the names absolutely correct uh, because it, it is an interesting, uh, it is an interesting thing that they do. And that is, you know, you get a guy like uh, John Dowd, you get guy like Hall of Famer. Did you read the article MLB.com put out on on him the other day? No, I I, I didn't. Uh, I I knew that it was an there was an actual baseball player who had like I don't know like a handful of actual at bats. But I know that the John Dowd of of this game and the history about this was actually like a producer for the EA Sports mm-hmm. video games. Um, but for those of you who are not well kept in the history of John Dowd uh, in MLB uh, uh, 2005, MVP Baseball 2005, it is Barry Bonds was a monster uh, in the, you know, what is it, starting in 01, having like a ridiculous 04 season leading into 2005. And he decided to not sign his player rights over uh, to EA Sports. And so EA Sports couldn't put him in the game. 
because then otherwise, you know, he would be getting all these like royalties and he would he would make tons of tons of money. You know, very forward thinking of Barry Bonds. Um, and so what they have to do is they're going to have a replica of Barry Bonds, but like almost like bizarro Barry Bonds. If I could use that word right, like bizarro Superman. Uh, they picked like this huge, same measurements, a height and weight, but like this white dude with like long hair, had all the same statistics, named him John Dowd, and was a two-year phenom in MVP baseball, Hall of Fame career. I can't remember who it was. It might have been um, Yasiel Puig who did it. I'm trying to remember uh, who who literally tweeted. Uh, that John Dowd would be, uh, would be a Hall of Famer if he had the longevity of his career because he was just an absolute monster. EA Sports did it with Pablo Sanchez um, and Emmanuel Imeniki. Uh, Those are some of the other goats that resembled other players that they didn't know how to have the rights to. What was it like for you guys playing, if you did, as John Dowd and how unfair was it to have him in the game? nuts it's <laughs> like it's like mike vick from and madden 05 i think yeah. he was the cover athlete that year oh four oh four oh four thank you oh five was ray lewis right yeah. okay thank you it that was the level of absurdity yeah that resulted from his usage yeah he's and, like a creative player you just max out everything yep yeah, yeah. yeah. He literally was like the human cheat code of a video game, but like they just so unapologetically was like, all right, you're not going to be Barry Bonds in our game, but you exist in our universe Yeah, and you're the greatest player, but you will not be known as Barry Bonds. You're going to be known as John Dowd, a producer for EA sports, literally the greatest baseball player in video game history. Yeah, and to relate it to that comment you just had about no fear, it was whenever he stepped into the box, it was, okay, now how do you pitch to this guy? And I think like Greg Maddox also said, Barry Bonds was the easiest guy he's ever pitched to because all you got to do is not pitch to him, right? Or, Or something along those lines. I'm probably misattributing that quote. But even in the relating it back to our earlier discussion about what sets guys apart and what do we look for, what's kind of like the deciding factor when scouting guys is you want guys that are not afraid of anything in the box. They want to hit. And one thing that was expressed to me and explained to me recently, which I think is invaluable when you're evaluating talent is do you guys want to hit or do they not want to hit? And, and it was actually described as, are they deciding to swing? Or are they deciding not to swing? Right. So that was, that was, that's the kind of level of hitter that, that, that John Dowd was, but that, you know, we're also looking for in, in real life too. 99 power, 99 contact for right-handed pitching. Like yeah. stud. Not fair. Not fair. <laughs> John Dowd. Is that what we got to do? Yeah. Like let, let's, we'll petition it. He is the, I, I, again, you gave the example of Michael Vick. I would say John Dowd, greatest video game athlete of all time. I, I'm still going Mike Vick. I'm, yeah. I'm still going. I'm still going Mike Vick. Per Sanchez, anyone? Yeah. yeah but, I mean, he, it was unfair, man. It was. Yeah. It was so unfair. It was. It was. It was ridiculous. But you know, EA Sports, 
you know, I'll shout out. You guys have been doing it right forever. <laughs> Would love to see NCAA football come back though, in some capacity. Cause that, yes. that was, I mean, if we, if we did a list on favorite sports game, NCAA football, uh, probably in my top two, just, it's just inc- such an incredible, incredible game. Better than, better than any Madden. But then when they did it, where like you graduate from college and then you could go be in Madden. It was like That's EA cool. sports knew exactly what they were doing. Did you um, ever do online dynasties with NCAA? I was never an online guy until I was like an adult because okay. I can never convince my mom to get a good enough internet to wow. make it work. I wow. was like, I was, to be honest, you know, it's not that like times were tough, but like being from a family that's from like Trinidad, a lot of like my sco- early schooling until I couldn't make it work, we would get the trial AOL discs that gave you like a month trial. And we would just recite, we would get like 30 of those and recycle it for like a good, you know, four or five months where every couple, you know, every 30 days or every 15 days, we'd just be using a new AOL startup disc, create an AOL account. It'd be like Julian Ortiz 24 because I've used up one to 23 previously to that. Uh, so I, I always have dial up internet. I couldn't, I couldn't afford to play. And then if someone games. calls you, you bumped off. I, yeah, I I got to like my buddies and I lived on online dynasty growing up and just some of the memories that we have staying up till 3am all logging on, putting the headsets on school night. Yeah. And just, Oh man, it's, we're bringing back some solid memes right now. And, and it's, I really would love for EA that series. Well, so like one of my, just on the topic of like, but so I used to just get together with my buddy, uh, shout out Sean Usher. He went to Julio. He went to North Toronto, uh, Sean Usher, the baseball crusher, like six, five plus, big boy just crushing bombs literally like the white right-handed Barry Bonds of like high school baseball just dingers and best best friend to this day um but we used to just get together um and we'd we'd crush like gears of war where I'd turn all the lights off in the house and just play <laughs> carry jewels. It's like a mad world in the background on repeat until we beat the game. Like three hours of it just because yeah. they played it in the Gears of Two Gears of War Two commercial. Mm-hmm. Like lights out, just going on on the computer in the background, just yeah. going ham. And then what we ended up doing is throughout high school, we would play all of these EA sports games. Cause I was always an EA sports guy. I was never a 2k guy. I was never a show guy until I had to go and get the show because it was the best baseball game available. Um, and we got this WWE belt <laughs> and we would say that whoever wins whatever game would be the champion and they would hold the title until someone challenged them. But the champion always got to choose the game. So if I was lucky enough to sneak beating him in baseball, which eventually came the show, which we were like pretty even, he was better because he was that was like his game. I was Madden. If I won the if I won the title, you gotta beat me in Madden, and it ain't ever gonna happen. I think once once I got Madden, it was just like I had to pick other games because he would just refuse to want to play video games with me anymore. Is there a video game that either of you two are just so dominant? that your friends would just choose never to play with you against? 
I used to be halfway. I'm not anymore. No, anybody could be me in anything, but I used to be halfway decent at FIFA. And there's one guy that him and I would always have good battles against. And he was also really good at Madden too. And basically we like, we grew up, we would, this was our like daily routine. We'd wake up. He'd probably come over around like 11 AM. We'd play video games till around six. And then we go to a baseball game uh, the AAA Richmond Braves game that night and rinse repeat all summer long. So, so that it was FIFA for a little bit. I, there wasn't anything that was like, yeah, you can't touch me, but right. that would, that would probably be for a few years. I had a solid run at. What about you, Julio? I was trash. <laughs> <laughs> Julio was like, I'll take him. I'll play you in real, real wall ball. Real yeah, like, play real. Play real sports. <laughs> like I will race you from first to third and have a faster time than you ever would. Yeah, two K was not I, like basketball was not good at in, in video games, baseball games. If I, if I played my cousins because I played more than them, probably. But right. That's it. <laughs> Just experience alone. Yeah. No. Listen. Don't fair. throw it in the strike zone. They're gonna swing. Like. <laughs> I will. I will say now. Just to that, I got. I got to plug this in. There was a time where I beat a friend of mine in 2K. I think it was 2K07 or 2K8 or, or whatever it was. I beat him with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I scored 72 points with Kevin Durant, and I won 72 to 69. Wow. So that was that was my one time where I was like, all right, I, I will do this, and I will make you sorry that you even picked up the control. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you did you ever come up with strange rules? And this uh, this will be the last question I ask you on, on video games. But did you ever did you ever come up with like a rule that like you had to abide by when playing just to like up the stakes at all? Because I have one, but I'll come back to it. I just want to know if either of you guys have one. I got none. Yeah, I'm I'm sure there was, and unfortunately, I'm I'm forgetting. Like sometimes we outlawed Mike Vick. Sure. Or okay. you know, they had that one year they had the QB cone. We would always turn the QB cone off. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was, yeah, that was, that was like the QB like vision. Yeah. It was like, uh, that was, that was terrible. I hated that. That was, but you had to be good on the sticks. So for me <laughs> and my, and my best buddy, Sean, um, we would do, uh, if you, so we would do random teams when we played the show. So you didn't get to chew it. You got to do randomized three times and pick one of the three <laughs> teams. Yeah. Only only way to do it. And so if if one of us uh, as a home team was the National League, our rule was that if a pitcher hit a home run, the game was over. And for the pitchers at bat, you had to throw fastball center of the strike zone and so the batter had every opportunity to like pick the you know uppercut swing high zone lock in on the pitch know exactly what's coming and then power swing and so we would strategically then get to a point where if we were like if if I got like the giants i was like i'm winning cuz i'm going to get mad bum to go up there i'm starting him and he's just juicing balls and I don't think we've ever we've had like a warning shot. We'd never had a game ended on pitcher hitting uh, a home run to win the game. But uh, for me, it's all about those fun, quirky things that you can do when you're playing video games. Now that now that you mentioned that, there was one. We called it the Wall of Fame, and it was for it must have been NBA 2K series. But we had a portion of 
the wall in my mom's house was designated off for what we call the wall of fame and how you got on the wall of fame was if within the last, I believe it was like three minutes of the game time. If your center and it had to have been like a traditional center, you know, it couldn't have right. been Steph Curry out there at your Zadrunas Ilgauskas. Yeah, he might have been on it. I've got pictures on my Facebook and I'll get them and I'll send them to you. Of like, <laughs> we printed off like little pictures and taped them up on the wall. If your center hit a three within that time and you were down, then you, you win. You you get the you get the win in that right. game. And we would put the picture of the center and who the it was like, oh, for example, one of my buddies' name was Colin. It was like Colin versus Tyler, you know, March 3rd, 2008. Uh, final score was this, but Bynum hit a – Andrew Bynum hit a 40-foot three-pointer or something. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was the one – that was one of the rules we had for sure. Jeez. Listen, that's – that's top notch, man. I, I love, I love, I love being able to do that fun stuff. Listen, Julio, you're gonna have to figure out getting good at a game, because I'm gonna tell you know, you know, when your daughter's older, and you know if she wants to start dating a guy, you're gonna have to say, listen, with these kids growing up, they're gonna play, they they play video games all the time. You're gonna have to figure out one game that you can beat this prospective boyfriend in, and say, listen, if you beat me, you can take my daughter out, but if I beat you, I never want to see your face again. So pick a game now, start playing. From experience, that way in like 16, 17 years, you're ready to go to beat that boyfriend. I got to get a PS5 now. Hey, this is permission. And you listen, you convince the lady, honey, listen, some some young buck is going to come and ask our daughter to go on a date. And the only language we're going to be able to speak together is video game. I got to beat him. And that's it. looking out for her. That's it. Damn. I think about it. Listen, gentlemen, this has been a lot of fun. We've 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 been talking for an hour twenty yet again. I mean, every time we talk, it's like something new is going on. I appreciate you guys jumping on and having some conversations. And I'm interested to see if people agree with with our baseball game choices. I'm gonna have to throw it out there and see what response we kind of get. But uh, all the best when it comes to you know um, the 20, 21, 20, 22 season. Uh, with the signings, you know, I hope everything goes well. I hope the Blue Jays can can rally. Who knows? Maybe we're playing in Buffalo again next year um, based on the way things are going sort of in Canada. But all the best to you guys. Hope you guys stay safe. Good luck. Go Jays, go. Right. As you wear a Dodgers hat. Fight on, Trojans. I, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> you know. Go Ducks for sure. And I want to say it's, you know, it's always fun getting, getting on this podcast and getting together. And it's like, I'm having a good time. I'm laughing here. You know, <laughs> cheeks are all rosy, but, but with that said, you know, just to, just to kind of make it, not to make it too real for a second, but with COVID going on too, there are, you know, and the people unable to get together and that unfortunately exacerbates some, mental health issues in the community and the American medical association did recently announced that they're expecting more people to have substance related uh, overdoses this year or mental health issues than in years past as such. And I believe it was the national institutes of health um, also came out stating that COVID-19 does affect those who are uh, undergoing substance use disorders are more susceptible susceptible excuse me to the tougher symptoms of covid than those 
that are more healthy. So if you can, you know, please, please donate to substance abuse or substance use organizations. Uh, the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Association lists tons of resources out there and you can even find local charities to donate to as well. So as much fun as we're having digital, I know a lot of people are out there are struggling with uh, with being the digitalized aspect of it too. So make sure you're checking in on your loved ones too. Yeah, great. Listen, that's a great way to end the pod. I'll throw a link up. Uh, we'll we'll look at some organizations and some uh, some helpful sites. Tie you and me, and then we'll uh, we'll throw it up on on the post. And that way, you know, if people do need help, and that's the always, that's always the thing that we say. You know, if you need help, seek it out. There are helpful organizations out there. Um, and if you know someone who's struggling, like Tyler said, uh, let's make sure that we connect with everyone. You know, we're all for the most part lucky if we do have families that are close that we can spend it with, whether it's our kids, children, parents, girlfriends, whomever it is. Um, but not everybody has that. So, uh, let's, let's be good humans. That's, you know, 2020 let's be good humans. That's, that's the, uh, that's the mantra, uh, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Oh, uh, well, uh, it is, man, this is awesome. We'll Thanks. do this again. You know, we'll do this again. We'll we'll just do a tire pod on 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 video games next time. <laughs> Julio's gonna have to step it up once he gets his PS5. Start practicing. That's it. Listen, for my guests, Julio Ramirez, Tyler Baldwin, I'm your host, Julian Ortiz. Thank you everyone for watching and listening. Have a great night, everybody.